Hello and welcome to another episode of the Barbells and Burgers podcast. I am your host, Shane Hubbard, and we just have one topic on today's podcast because I want to go as in-depth as I possibly can with this topic so that you get everything that you need out of it. Uh, one of the things I've been realizing with a lot of my podcast episodes is that sometimes the topic can be very... Um, deep. It can have a lot of sort of twists and turns, and I don't want to sacrifice getting as much deal, detail as I can on those topics because there are other topics. So I'm going to try for a couple of episodes. Um, if I see that there's plenty of room to go in on a single topic, we're just kind of going to cover one topic, uh, and then you know we'll mix it around as we go. But I, w- I would like to try it this way. And today's topic is going to be how many days a week of exercise is good for losing weight. And we will even talk about uh, the amount of exercise that you want to try to shoot for, even if weight loss isn't your goal. Like maybe weight maintenance is your goal, or maybe you are trying to build muscle right now. You're not necessarily concerned about having abs for the summer because let's be completely honest, this whole year has been so messed up that I don't think anyone's worried about having abs for the summer. I think that because of gyms being closed down and everything with the uh, coronavirus sort of throwing a wrench into everyone's normal, let's get fit before summer schedule, uh, most of us are not going to be sporting abs during the summer. I know I certainly am not going to. In fact, I'm going to use it as an opportunity to give myself a little bit of a break and, uh, you know, sort of focus on other things, whether it be building muscle or, you know, simply maintaining. So um, let's go ahead and dive right into today's topic. So A good place to start, I always like to start with sort of the baseline recommendations. One of the things that I, um, that's sort of a pet peeve of mine, especially when it comes to any form of content or information, is how long it takes to get to the actual point. So I'm going to go ahead and just address probably the most important thing for you to understand first, and then we'll branch out into different topics. So it's recommended that you get four to five days of exercise a week. And when they've done studies on how that affects your health, how it affects body composition, how it affects things like longevity and quality of life, four to five hours a week is really, really good. And that's sort of the, um, I wouldn't say ideal because I think that it's, it's definitely possible without being ideal, but I would say that that's sort of the goal or the target. Now, I think it's important to understand and sort of define what that really means. What does four to five days of activity or exercise really mean? What does that look like when you break it down? And for some, you might assume that means doing the same thing five days a week or the same intensity five days a week. And I want to sort of break that down for you so you realize that it's actually a mix of different types of intensity levels. And the reason for this is is sort of... um, I wouldn't say common knowledge, but it it makes plenty of logical sense. If you were to go out and race your car four to five times a week, that would, you know, racing your car is going from zero to 60. That's going to put a lot of wear and tear on your car over time. I'm not a car expert, but I would imagine the more intense the um, exertion from the car, or even if we're relating this to people, obviously, because this is exercise, um, the easier it's going to be to burn out because we all sort of have a capacity for how much we're able to give on the intensity side of things. So simply just going as hard as you can five days a week really isn't a sustainable method for exercise. 
So how do we do four to five days a week? How do we actually make that practical and relatable to our current lives? And I'll throw out a couple of different scenarios and, and you can sort of gravitate to whichever one seems to best serve you at this you know, time of listening to this podcast. So the first person I'm going to use as an example is the person who isn't that fit, who is, you know, all, you know, in your own words, you would basically describe yourself as not a very fit person, someone who's not consistently exercising. Um, maybe you get tired going upstairs or maybe very little exercise exertion uh, causes your heart rate to spike pretty high. For this type of person, frequency is still important, but intensity needs to be uh, low, especially in the beginning. So that means that um, it's not really important how hard the workout is. It's more important how frequent you get some type of activity. So to give you an example from my own coaching experience, I was coaching a gentleman who was, I think at the time, 420 pounds. He really had no exercise experience. He played football in high school, so he had some sport experience. Um, but since then, he had got you know sort of a, an everyday job and, and didn't continue on with his fitness past uh, his high school football days. And uh, he was, let's see, he is about 6'3", and I think, yeah, he was about you know 420 pounds at the time uh, that we started working together. And he had a lot of injuries. I mean, as you can imagine, a football player in high school, football players in general, especially in high school, college pros, suffer a lot of very serious injuries. And so he had quite a bit of, um, you know, low back pain. He had quite a bit of knee pain. Um, thankfully, he's, he never had to replace anything to his knees, but they were definitely worn out. And so activity for him was actually one of the most painful things to do. It's one of the reasons why he really never got back into a routine. So what we did to start working uh, to, or what we started to do on the fitness end when we started working together is I just had him do very low impact sort of um, cardio and weightlifting. So weightlifting was a little bit more of a challenge because things like squats and, and even deadlifts to a certain extent just wasn't the best thing for him at the moment. So what we did is we sort of modified things. Uh, instead of doing a traditional back squat without much support, we did something called box squats, which sort of just gives you a reference for how low you need to squat. And it also makes the squat a little bit safer um, slash easier to do in the respect of you know, not only learning the technique, but also understanding you know, at the safety in which uh, you need to perform squats. So we started off with that. With deadlifts, we we sort of did, um, you know, a traditional barbell deadlift, except we used a trap bar. Uh, and a trap bar, if you're not familiar with it, it's essentially like a, it's like a box with two pegs on the end to put the weights. And the way, the reason why a, a deadlift with a trap bar can be better for somebody who's sort of either new to learning the deadlift or um, is just, um, potentially in a position where their low back isn't that strong yet, it gives them the opportunity to shift the weight of the bar, so to speak, more to the center of their body as opposed to in front. So while it might not put as much stress on the hamstrings, uh, and it sort of divides the stress between the quads and the hamstrings, it still gives the person a um, deadlifting, it sort of still achieves what we want to achieve with a deadlift. So anyway, not to go too far into his exact program, but we started off with, you know, very basic uh, strength training movements. We started him on a couple of different low impact cardio, and he wasn't the biggest fan of cardio, but he was also not the biggest fan of being 420 pounds and being uncomfortable. So he was willing to put in some of the work on the cardio end 
things like um, you know stationary bike. He even uh, at, at one point during our time together actually bought a bike and started uh, you know just doing casual rides, and then you know he started doing longer rides and things like that. Um, he really enjoyed walking. Uh, at first, he sort of thought it would be boring, but uh, to him, it, it felt like a good way to either start the day or to end the day in some regards. And it was just a good way to g- kind of get him out of the house uh, and, and not be sort of flooded with all his responsibilities at work and things like that. So it was it was sort of therapeutic for him to a large extent. And I've actually experienced that myself. And I've had other clients who have sort of come to that realization too, that uh, walks are not just for exercise. They're also for, you know, creating mental clarity in, in some ways. So you know, a person like this who either has past injuries or is just really out of shape can really benefit from frequent low intensity type exercise. And if I had to prioritize one thing over the other, so if I had to prioritize frequency over, or I'm sorry, if I had to choose between frequency or intensity, I would always choose frequency. Because intensity can be modulated fairly easy uh, as the person gets more you know, uh, fit. And as they start to develop more of a routine. And the reason for that is, is, is actually based on the routine. So in some respects, the intensity of an exercise can actually hinder consistency because if something's so intense that you're either out of commission, you know, physically you feel out of commission or you're just, you know, uh, physiologically, uh, you know, out of commission and even psychologically out of commission. I mean, let's, let's face it. It, uh, a lot of intense workouts uh, drain us mentally too. It's not just a physical drain, but it also at the level of the nervous system can be very draining. Uh, so if you're already a very stressed person trying to add more, uh, draining type, uh, movement or draining type activities just doesn't seem, you know, very sustainable. So again, for this person, it's, it's more about frequency than it is about intensity. Over time, intensity can increase. It's, it's actually very easily easy to modulate. It's something that you can progress uh, fairly um, evenly and easily, meaning that you know over time, this particular client that I was working with was able to do more intense workouts. Um, you know, a large portion of his knee pain and his back pain had to do with the excess fat that he was carrying. And as he started to lose that weight, um, his knees didn't hurt as much. I mean, there was still sort of like, you know, old injury, old, you know, wear and tear sort of pain that was there, but it was greatly reduced because of how much weight he had lost uh, and how much extra weight he was carrying and how stressful that was for his joints. So if you are a bigger person and you're, you know, stressed out because you have knee pain, ankle pain, hip pain, uh, you know, those sorts of things, just know that if you start off with a low intensity exercise that doesn't add to the problem and you're, you know, on the nutrition end, you're focusing on uh, a calorie deficit. You're focusing on losing weight, con- you know, controllably and manageably, uh, and sustainably, obviously, which are all sort of the same thing. Um, then over time, the excess weight that you are carrying will come off, and your joints will thank you for that because it would be a lot easier to move. So sometimes, more activity or more intense activity sort of comes with the process of uh, reducing your overall weight. And again, that that takes time. But again, be patient with yourself. If you're the type of person who's very out of shape, don't feel obligated to do your local, you know, Zumba class or your local high intensity interval training. Do in a level of intensity that you actually sort of enjoy. Maybe you don't love cardio or maybe you don't love weightlifting, but find something that is doable to where you walk away feeling good and not completely burnt out. Um, 
now is not a good time to increase intensity. It's more important to establish the habit of consistency and frequency first. And then as you get more and more fit, you can increase the challenge enough to where it's challenging, but it's not going to knock you on your ass for four days and, and keep you from wanting to do it again. All right. So that's sort of the first person or, or example that I would give. The second example I would give is somebody who is sort of on and off with both their nutrition and their fitness. You know, different parts of or different times of the year, they're a little bit more diligent. Um, and then the other times of the year, they're not so diligent. And I would sort of call this maybe like the casual you know, a dieter or the casual exerciser who, you know, does it for their health probably more than the their appearance, which is fine. Again, this isn't a judgment. I'm just trying to paint a picture of a, you know, three common people that I see uh, as a trainer. And so this person, three to four, or I'm sorry, four to five days a week isn't so far out of, like, it doesn't sound like something they wouldn't be able to do, or it doesn't sound intimidating. Um, but maybe they're having a hard time staying consistent. So with this person, a lot of times what I'll see is a lack of flexibility or a lack of variety in their exercise, where they're either married to one specific modality like weightlifting, or they're married to something that's very intense in terms of exercise. So they might feel as though like this is the only way to lose fat or this is the best way to lose fat. They may be the kind of person who buys into a lot of the dogma around uh, exercise and weight loss and sort of the one size or, or one approach is sort of the solution to everything instead of realizing that exercise as a whole should be the priority and, and the way in which you do that should be influenced at least to some extent by whether or not you enjoy something. If you're going into a gym or to an, an exercise setting and you're constantly, uh, you know, uh, complaining about it or you don't want to do it, then it's not going to serve you as a lifelong practice. It's probably better to either mix things up every now and then or explore different types of exercise, even if it's something you don't think you would enjoy, uh, you know, a, a ton. Um, I actually had that experience with yoga. Um, I forget what it was. I think it was sort of in my early 20s, um, I was sort of tired of everything. Like I, I was going through a phase where I was really interested in more like the meditative kind of spiritual practice of exercise as opposed to like, let's, you know, lift as much weight as we can and get a nice pump type of experience. Um, so I sort of bounced between those two extremes. And one of the things that I thought I wouldn't like about yoga is how slow it is, right? And what I realized was, is that that was just a symptom of my environment. That was a symptom of being in a world that never really turns off. Uh, you know, you've got the internet, you've got light 24 seven. There's always this kind of go, 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 you know, uh, you know, coffee, you know, seven cups of coffee mentality where you're just, you're on a whole nother level the entire time. And there's really no time to re recharge. And so uh, during this time in my life, it was very stressed out. And so I got in the habit of doing yoga and I found how therapeutic it could be. And I'm not saying that you have to do that, but my point is, is that sometimes the things that you think you won't enjoy are actually perfect at this point in your life or at this stage in your life. And so being open to exploring different things is, I think, really important. So this type of person who might have uh, you know, four to five days might not seem unreasonable, but has a hard time staying consistent is probably not managing the intensity that well, where they think they every single workout has to be very intense and has to be, you know, balls to the wall and uh, very difficult to do where you should feel like you're going to pass out at the end. That to me is sort of, um, I would say that that in and of itself is unhealthy. Um, I, I almost would be concerned about somebody who is so concerned with 
staying a, you know, like, cause usually the reason why a person would have such a hard time mixing intensities is because they're so focused on the way on the way exercise um, makes them look or keeps their look. Um, and I would say that this is probably, although not always, the um, the feeling of older women, especially older women who have been fit their entire lives, who feel as though if they don't keep up the same intensity, that they're going to lose the level of fitness they've had. And for some of them, and again, this is goes for men too. I'm just highlighting women because I see it more in women. Um, a lot of this comes down to the insecurity that you, the way you look is the only thing that, um, that has gotten you where you are, or it's how people value you, value you in society or in your job, right? Because sometimes that can be a, a big stress is looking the part or looking a certain way as a trainer. I feel that stress, you know, I feel, I used to feel anyway that, um, you know, if I wasn't Mr. Sixpack, people wouldn't take me seriously. Now, obviously, if I was, you know, very overweight and I was t- teaching people how to lose weight, it would seem kind of silly. But my point is, is that um, I think that this additional stress that this type of person feels is oftentimes psychological, and that's an area that I know very little about. I only know it uh, in my as a, my own experience in things. I'm not uh, qualified to be a uh, psychologist by any means, so. If this is you, then um, first of all, hello. <laughs> um, I would definitely, if, if this bothers you uh, and you're aware of it, I would definitely see if you can find uh, somebody to talk to about this from a psychological perspective, and and maybe even a um, you know someone who specializes more than just you know the psychology of things. Maybe uh, someone who and I don't know if this is an actual uh, side uh, or a sub profession, but someone who focuses on body image or um, even sports, uh, you know, psychology. Uh, I'm not exactly sure if that would be the best fit, but I'm just trying to think of the things that I know. So anyway, if you're the type of person who feels obligated to intense workout all the time, but you're starting to notice that it really, uh, you know, wears you down and it, you're only doing it because you're afraid that if you don't do it, you're going to get fat or you're going to get lazy and you're going to lose, you know, all the hard work you've put in, then I would highly encourage you to take a step back. Um, the only advice I can, you know, give you in my scope is to simply realize that that, those aren't, those things aren't going to happen. Um, you're not going to suddenly balloon up to 400 pounds if you don't do your HIIT workout five days a week. Now, if you enjoy your HIIT workout five days a week and you're not suffering in other aspects of your life, whether that's sleep or your health, and you can manage it within a schedule that works best for you, then more power to you. I'm I'm not really speaking to the person who isn't having a problem with this. I'm mostly speaking to the person who sort of almost feels obligated to do this type of intense workout four to five days a week in order to keep their body, you know, trim and, and quote unquote perfect or, or have this ideal body image. Um, that's a very difficult road to go down. So if you need more help with that, I would highly consider doing some research on professionals that can help you in that area. Okay. So we've talked about our first two. Now, what's the third person you might be wondering, you know, we've talked about sort of both ends of the spectrum. What's the third person? The third person is kind of a marriage between the first and the uh, second person. And this is the person who is more in their head than anything else, who considers four to five days a week a lot, not because they can't do it, but because they don't want to. Um, and it's it's more about 
sort of being stubborn about exercise and not realizing that there are ways to make four to five days a week work. By all means, when it comes to frequency, you sort of have to modulate your intensity. You have to mix your intensity up. And I'll give this person a very specific schedule, and any other person that might be falling into the other categories can use this exact same schedule. Make sure that for every high-intensity day, the following day you have a medium or a low intensity so that you can very easily manage just how much extra stress you're putting putting on your nervous system on your body and realize that recovery is just as important as you know breaking down or or working hard in an exercise speaking back on person two this person usually has an issue with um, recovery Um, and it's it has a lot of a lot to do with the intensity being as frequent and not balanced as it is it it eventually affects things like their sleep Um, a lot of times they'll rely on something like coffee as a result of not getting enough sleep Um, and that coffee will mask their sleep deprivation and so they're not even always aware of it i've actually been through that myself i took two days off from drinking coffee and realized how sleep deprived i was and it really gave me an interesting perspective into just how powerful uh, coffee can be for masking uh, you know sleep deprivation and we won't go into how to correct your sleep in this particular uh, episode but i do want you to at least be aware of that phenomenon and and because if you don't experience it it's hard to realize that you are dependent on coffee and that you are sleep deprived and fixing the sleep is actually more important than you know uh, that order at starbucks plus it's actually might even save you some money <laughs> uh, if you don't order coffee every single day but uh, that's beside the point so person three is more of anything a psychological battle, and it's it's about getting that first step. And, and this person can both be person one and person two. It can be the person who's not very fit, and so they're sort of discouraged, and it can be the person who is you know decently fit but sort of feels completely worn out and taxed and doesn't know how to do sort of a base minimal and be confident in that when it comes to exercise. So... You know, person three is more a psychological case than they are, you know, a physical case. They physically have the time. Um, They physically can do the exercise, but they mentally do not want to and or they mentally don't know how to get started. And so one of those one of those is sort of, okay, I can help you because you're at least willing to do it. And the other person is just choosing to be stubborn and in, in, in my opinion, immature about the situation if you want to change your body, if you want to change your life, if you want to improve the quality of your life, you're going to have to do some form of exercise. But to think that you have to go out and do, you know, the local hit workout that's 45 minutes of, you know, balls to the wall exercise, that's not necessary. And that's sort of my overall message for this particular podcast is that I think that when we think about exercise, we think of something that sucks, right? We think of something that's so hard that we really don't want to do it again. And in reality, that's not a good way to sustain anything. Like if you always hate the thing that you have to do, that's not a sustainable practice. Just like working, you know, 18 hours a day is not going to be good for having a family or, you know, having social relationships or romantic relationships or just good balance in life. So understanding that the balance between the intense and the not so intense exercise is really important, which is why I'm going to um, sort of break off into giving you sort of a rundown or an example of what I do and what I've used with some of my clients to sort of get the ball rolling. 
and um, and get things started that that is very flexible in terms of you can start off as using this as sort of a blueprint and then modify it how you need to both up and down and if anything it helps sort of take away the anxiety of knowing what to do to get started so let's go ahead and jump into that so the very first thing that i like to do is set up some type of resistance training now resistance training can be done at home it can be done with body weight or it can be done in a gym so you don't necessarily have to have a gym membership in order to do any type of weight training um, having a gym membership makes it easier to do things like you know heavier weights which is definitely a positive but if you're not at that stage yet don't worry you can get very far with body weight and home workouts so maybe minimal equipment at home um, and the idea is is that building muscle isn't just for aesthetics it's also for health and when you look at the tissues in the body that um, some of the healthiest people have muscle mass is up there now i'm not talking about you know bodybuilding muscle status i'm talking about lean and healthy you know muscle mass i'm talking about having you know noticeable muscle and having healthy muscle and muscle that's um, being used and worked and has lots of blood flow and things like that so not necessarily mr or mrs six-pack but someone who you know looks like they work out right they look like they lift some weights like they're not you know flappy or scrawny or or have a, a ton of body fat that sort of um, is disproportionate to their muscle mass so um let's go ahead and jump into the schedule because I, I keep going into si sort of side topics so the schedule starts off with resistance training you know it's it's usually the first day is like a monday and that day we'll have some type of resistance training workout that is catered to the person and their ability level and i go through a pretty extensive um uh, like intake form and process to get everything that i need to custom design a program for my client uh, based both on their ability and their you know their needs based you know like on their availability of equipment and time and um, experience level and, and there's a million different things movement I mean there's lots of the stuff that goes into it so I designed that program for them and, and three times a week sometimes two to start I'll have them do a resistance training program and again this program is custom tailored to their ability level it's not like hey go do box squats even though you know you can't even you don't even know how to do box squats there's a lot that goes into designing someone's program so that they enter with enough of a challenge but not so such an overwhelming experience uh, their first time in so then after resistance training for day one day two is some type of low intensity activity and this is sort of where the step count slash activity tracker becomes very very useful so what i recommend every single person do even if you're not a client of mine is i recommend you get some sort of step counter whether that it's a fitbit or a garmin or i mean it doesn't matter what you use as long as it has at least the ability to track your steps and the reason for this is is that tracking your total steps per day is a very accurate way of telling just how active you are it's also a very good way of keeping you honest with your activity you know if you have a goal of getting let's say 6,000 to 8,000 steps a day and you notice by you know 4 p.m you only have 4,000 steps it sort of you know lightly kicks you in the ass and tells you hey you know you got to go get more steps it also can tell you sort of on a daily basis how many steps you average without putting any extra effort into it so that you can better gauge 
how much activity you're going to need to meet your goals. And uh, I believe we've talked about activity goals in the past, but you know, on average, you want to try to add a thousand more steps to your day, to whatever your current average is and slowly add a thousand steps each time you've uh, consistently gotten whatever your previous goal was. So if I started off at, you know, 4,000 steps uh, on average a week and I, and I challenged myself to get 5,000, if I can get at least four to five days of 5,000 steps and I can, you know, repeat that, it's not just a one week thing, then I will challenge myself to do 6,000 steps the following week. And, you know, only progress when you've actually proven to yourself and there's data to show that you've gotten that many steps a day. And yes, this does take a little bit extra effort. Um, just as a reference point, about a thousand steps through casual walking is about 10 minutes of walking. So you can very easily get 3,000 steps in a half an hour of walking, even if you were to divide that into three 10 minute walks. Um, that would be fine. I mean, you would still be getting the total amount of steps. So I like this as a way of gauging activity between weightlifting sessions because. One, weightlifting is not going to reflect uh, activity through steps. So just tracking that you had done a weightlifting, like a, a proper weightlifting program, like a very well customized designed for your specific goals and your ability level, if you can just track when you do that exercise, all the other stuff that goes into it will be taken care of. On days where you're sort of left up to your own devices and it's sort of like an off day or a low intensity day, it's still important to track, but you use it using something like a step counter. Now you can do more, um, you know, or less traditional forms of cardio like treadmill or elliptical or biking or whatever you want to do. You don't have to go for a walk outside. Um, but if you don't like cardio, then you can at least focus on things like walking to increase your steps and increase your total calorie burn throughout the day. Now, if you're the kind of person who actually prefers to do cardio, like maybe you're the type of person who weight training is sort of something you're new to and cardio is something you're very familiar with, then you will have on the days in between, you might do just fine with something like, you know, 10,000 steps, uh, you know, every day or, or, or at least in between weightlifting sessions uh, in terms of days. Um, you also might be fine with things like running and elliptical and, and all these other uh, forms of cardio. Um, but again, the, the method that you choose to increase your activity through steps is really up to you. And I want you to feel confident in the preference that you choose. If you prefer to do things like the elliptical at the gym, by all means, do that. If you prefer to, you know, go for a run outside before work or after work or whenever it works for you, do that. Let the method that you choose be guided by your preference and not be guided by any sort of dogmatic thinking when it comes to, you know, this form of exercise is best for burning calories. Unfortunately, as much as it might be true that running burns more calories than weightlifting or something to that extent, calories, although they matter, are not the only thing that matter. Just like, you know, what's the thing that I typically say, at least in, in a lot of my coaching practice, um, I'm, I don't know why I'm forgetting it, but essentially it's, I could write you the best program in the world. I could give you the most effective fat loss calorie deficit plan in the world. But if you're not actually going to implement any of the things that I do, if you're not going to take action on any of the advice, then it's just as useless as the thing that's, you know, terrible for you because action is the most important thing. So when you're constructing your exercise plan and you're thinking about how much exercise you need to do throughout the week, it is paramount to prioritize preference, at least as a, uh, you know, one of the deciding factors. 
at the end of the day, you might not love every single form of exercise that you do. I certainly don't always love weightlifting, even though it's my favorite form of exercise. And I certainly don't always love going for a walk, um, especially if I have to walk both of my dogs because they can get uh, they can get distracted very easily and it's hard to just walk. But the point is, is that you have to have at least some enjoyment or get some kind of benefit out of it for your for the likelihood that you'll actually sustain that practice. A single workout is pretty useless in the grand scheme of things, but a workout, regardless of how intense it is or how many calories you burn, that you do frequently is going to produce better results than the exercise that's really intense that you hardly ever do. All right, so stop wearing exercise as a badge of honor and start thinking about your overall health and how it affects everything that you do. That's a very important message that... Um, I probably should have said at the very beginning, but if you're listening to the entirety of this podcast, you'll definitely get the value uh, out of that one. Now let's talk a little bit about how rest fits into this. You might be wondering, okay, well, if I'm sort of having a day off uh, from weightlifting, but I'm still trying to do some form of activity in between, is that really truly a day off? Are there any days where I should completely do nothing? Um, those are all really good questions. So let's go ahead and address the first one. A day off from weightlifting is really another way of saying I'm not going to do an exercise that's that intense again because I need to, uh, my nervous system needs to recover and my body needs to recover. But I can very well do something at a moderate or low intensity. So it doesn't mean lift weights on Monday and then be a couch potato on Tuesday. It means lift weights on Monday and do something that's lower intensity, like walking or maybe elliptical or, you know, riding a bike or, you know, going out and, you know, I don't know, uh, playing with your kids or playing with your dog or, you know, playing a sport. Maybe you play pickup basketball. Maybe you, you know, uh, I don't know, whatever you choose to do, just if it's, intensity followed by intensity followed by intensity, you're never going to recover properly. And it's going to be hard to sustain um, any kind of exercise routine. And that's another thing to keep in mind is that it's the routine that eventually becomes habit that you're trying to shoot for if you're inconsistent. If you're inconsistent because the exercise choice that you pick is always so intense that it's really difficult to be consistent, then that makes perfect sense. It's actually uh, something I see quite a bit is that, um, you know, someone might be so focused on the effect of their exercise on calories burned that they um, tend to forget that consistency is probably the most important thing when it comes to uh, calorie burn or at least to um, calories in versus calories out. And if you pick something that doesn't balance both the amount of calories you burn and the intensity that you're working, it's going to be hard to stay intense. So again, that's why we've talked a little bit about mixing intensities so that you can stay consistent. You can definitely get an intense workout, but you make sure that you um, sort of mix it up and you don't just do intense exercise all the time. So rest days really aren't like, it's not like completely on, completely off. It's more about high intensity, medium to low intensity, high intensity again, low to medium intensity. And you sort of cycle back and forth between that. Now you could definitely do, you know, if you're, especially if you're more advanced and you've already got the routine down, you could definitely do high intensity, high intensity, low intensity, and then maybe a high intensity, low intensity day. I mean, there's lots of ways you can mix it up, but you know, my, my focus for this specific um, topic is for those that are already inconsistent, 
who are already finding it hard to find a consistent routine because probably the hardest part about exercise is getting into a routine. Once you get into a routine, whatever that looks like and in any intensity you know, mix uh, that you might have throughout the week, once you get into the routine, making small adjustments is actually the easiest part. Like you might be in better shape than you were two months ago. And so you start saying, okay, well, I'm going to add another intense day because I'm in way better shape. I've dropped some weight. My joints don't ache as much because I've dropped that weight. Um, I'm feeling better. My nutrition is improving, which means the fuel that I'm using to facilitate these workouts is a lot better. I'm getting better sleep because I am eating better and I'm taking care of myself. And so you can make those small adjustments, but really battling to get the most consistency as you can with exercise is the hardest part. So focus on that first. And then as you start to get more consistent and it becomes like you wake up, you put on your shoes and you're out the door and you don't even know what happened. Like, you know, like when you're driving somewhere you're very familiar with, sometimes you can be like, how the hell did I get here? Right? Because you don't remember anything along the way because you're almost sort of uh, conditioned or hardwired at this point to know where to go based on, you know, where you need to go. So um, if that's the case, then making small adjustments to intensity is going to be no problem because it's really just adding a more difficulty to an already existing day of exercise versus trying to do both high, high intensity exercise and staying consistent. They usually do not mix unless you, you know, uh, uh, vary the intensity level to something that's more doable and more consistent. So the last thing I'd like to consider in regards to this topic is sleep. So we talked a little bit about sleep sort of in the middle uh, of this of this podcast and sort of example of person number two. And the reason why I want to consider sleep is because if you look at it from a foundational standpoint, you really can't put out more exertion without having some type of recovery. All right. It's, it's the yin yang, ex, you know, expression that if you're going to work hard, you should also rest hard or you should, you know, recover very well because you can only put out as much as you've you know put back into yourself. And I would say that I think if you live in our modern society, you have varying, you know, everyone has a varying degree of this sort of mentality where it's go, 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 you know, work as hard as you can, you know, as long as possible, as much as possible, and you'll get the, you know, American dream. And um, while I definitely, that's very commendable, and I definitely am a product of that mindset, I also believe and have studied and um, have seen personally that if you don't also recover well enough, you're going to eventually succumb to burnout. And um, if you're burnt out, you really can't stay consistent. So it's important if you're the kind of person who feels like you're always go, 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 it's also important to realize that you need to be able to recover both for your mental and your physical health, all right? Health isn't just a physical specimen. I mean, I know I'm a weight loss coach and I focus on fitness and nutrition, but I also have a holistic background. In fact, the very first certification I ever got, uh, the first two, two certifications I ever got was in holistic health, which if you don't know what that is, it probably sounds like some kind of Venice hippie weekend where you just, you know, smoke weed and, you know, eat plant-based uh, food all day long. But it, it really wasn't that. If anything, it was more just a well-rounded and sort of, 
as the name suggests, holistic point of view on on your health, how it's not just about the food you eat, it's not just about the exercise you do, it's also about the sleep, it's also about your psychology, it's about your mindset, it's about your spirituality. Like I'm not saying you have to you know worship anything, but it's your it's your spiritual um, experience in life, and some of us have more experience or less experience with that. But regardless of the level at which you are involved in those things they all play a factor. They all sort of dip into the same bucket. And if you're not taking care of all of them uh, to some extent, then one of them is going to suffer, which is eventually going to lead to the other one suffering as well. So your health is a very dynamic uh, process. So you have to take care of all of it to a certain extent, or again, you're going to uh, suffer down the road if you just decide to ignore it, right? And that's, that's obviously... Um, not good for your health either, right? Just ignoring things. Um, so when it comes to sleep, I'm kind of circling back around. When it comes to sleep, I understand that it can be very difficult to change your sleep habits or your sleep hygiene, as it's sometimes referred to as. I'm not going to sit on a pedestal and say, you need to sleep eight hours a day because, you know, it's good for your health and it prevents Alzheimer's and, you know, all these different things. That is important, but I don't think reiterating that is going to be useful for you. I will say this, as somebody who has studied sleep, um, not extensively, but enough to know why it's so important, I can tell you that it is. it can be very challenging in today's world to get on a consistent sleep schedule that's both focusing on the quality and the quantity. You know, it's recommended that we get between seven and nine hours of sleep, and this should be the average, not the, you know, once a week type of thing. And for a lot of us, we just haven't cultivated an environment that makes that, you know, 100% doable, whether that's staying up late at night because we're trying to find or we're trying to give time to things that are important to us, whether it's our family or if it's just, you know, personal time for ourselves where that's the only time that we get to just do what we want versus, you know, being responsible for our kids or our family or, you know, unfortunately for a lot of us, some people are on the clock 24-7 it seems uh, because they work in the service industry or they work in some kind of industry where, you know, people can get a hold of you at pretty much any time they want. Um, so it can be it can be challenging to prioritize sleep when you can just get by with you know five six maybe seven hours of sleep on a good night, and getting by is better than not getting by and it suits its or its its purpose is served at that point. So when it comes to sleep, just do the best you can to make small little improvements so that you can fuel your workouts. Like I had a lady one time say, you know, I just don't really care about my sleep that much. I'm able to do everything that I want to do with the amount of sleep that I get. And I said, well, you know, do you know how much sleep you get? And she actually had a uh, Fitbit that helps her, you know, however accurately track her sleep. And, you know, on average, she got five and a half to six and a half hours a night. And, you know, she says, well, I feel fine and all this stuff. And I was, you know, asking you more questions like, well, do you ever notice that your, your, your activity, like your fitness starts to decline when, you know, and she goes, yeah, you know, some days I just don't have it all. And I said, okay, you know, how many, you know, how much caffeine do you drink a day? And she's like, oh, I have to have two cups of coffee every single morning before anyone starts talking to me and all this stuff. And well, it might seem really casual and innocent and almost funny because we almost all have, you know, that sort of, um, speech that we give whenever we're like, you know, don't talk to me in the morning. That can be a very uh, 
good sign that you're one sleep deprived and two you're masking it with caffeine and it can it can leak over into other parts of your life into your health and it might not you know present itself right away but down the road it's going to it's going to manifest itself um and i know that i i actually deal with that myself quite a bit when it comes to sleep is i am not the best sleeper i am in a period of my life right now where grinding as hard as i can is really important it's important because i've got a wedding to pay for i've got a mortgage to pay for i'm living the adult life you know i've got responsibilities getting an ideal amount of sleep almost feels like a luxury so i'm certainly not standing or sitting here actually talking to you about this like you better do this you know i do this this is what's important it's like no i'm i'm right there in the trenches with you it's it's challenging to get enough sleep but i can tell you from personal experience that if you can just make some sort of improvement in your sleep if that means half an hour before bed you turn off your phone if it means getting some blue blocker glasses so that if you are going to be in front of screens at night you're at least limiting the amount of blue light that goes through your eyes and and that's really the sort of quote-unquote danger that we um, encounter with with staying or, or, or being exposed to light and how it affects our sleep is blue light basically tells our brain, hey, it's daytime. And our, our brain needs sort of this indication from light to sync our circadian rhythms pro- appropriately and get enough recovery and rest uh, during the nighttime. So anyway, if it means that or taking a, uh, a supplement that it can at least help you stay asleep or maybe help you, um, you know, uh, sleep better throughout the night or fall asleep easier or whatever it might be. Um, if that is one way that you could help yourself, just do what you can right now. And, uh, something is always better than nothing, right? It might feel like if it's not the solution, it's not worth pursuing, but in reality, any were any step towards a solution is improvement in progress. And that's how I recommend you viewing it. Okay. So I think we've, you know, all my notes are crossed out. Um, I, I have pretty extensively covered the question, how many days a week is good for, you know, health, for weight loss, um, when it comes to exercise. And uh, if, But that being said, uh, if you have additional questions that you would like to ask as it relates to your own personal life and your lifestyle and, and the situations you're going through with work or, or anything else when it comes to, comes to time commitment, feel free to reach out. If you'd like to message me um, through email, uh, my email is shanehubbardfit at gmail.com. Pretty easy to remember. Uh, You can also hit me up on social media if you like. All the social media links are in the bio of this podcast. Um, But just to keep it easy for you, on Facebook, on Instagram, um, and on Twitter, actually, I'm at shanehubbardfit. So you can easily search me. In fact, I'm pretty sure if you just type in my name, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm the only thing that comes up. Uh, because it is my name, and I don't know many other Shane Hubbards that are on Instagram. Uh, anyway, uh, I haven't searched myself ever, but I would imagine so. So anyway, feel free to reach out and hit me up and ask any question you like. I always make time. I, I have specific times during the day where I answer questions from people. Uh, so don't feel like you're going to be bothering me or taking up my time. I literally live for being able to help you with your unique questions. All right. Very good. Well, that's the end of today's podcast. Thanks a ton for listening. And if you've been listening for a little while now and you wouldn't mind, I would highly appreciate a recommendation or I guess a review in this recommendation. I would highly recommend that you 
leave a review and leave a comment. You can leave a little star rating if you like. And if you feel so inclined, you can leave a little comment for me saying, hey, I really enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for doing this. Or, you know, hey, could you talk about this? Or, you know, just sort of give your your take on the podcast. I would really appreciate that. It doesn't just help, uh, you know, me feel motivated to create more podcasts, but it also helps people discover this podcast. So if you think this is valuable information that you would like to also share, you're more than welcome to share. But at the very least, if you could rate it, um, that basically tells iTunes, hey, this podcast is pretty useful. I'm going to show it to more people. And that can obviously help me out a lot. So anyway, thanks for listening to today's podcast. I will see you in a future episode.